here we are. Welcome to Inside the Mine, a special project thanks to Lululemon um, that we're putting together during the month of November, Movember, men's mental health we're talking. And this episode is with Bradley Croker. If you've just tuned in, I hope no one's doing this, but oh, welcome if you'd have just tuned in to the Inside the Mind series. I'm sure no one is just starting with this series. But if you do not know who Bradley Croker is, there are about 315 um, other weekly episodes that I record each and every Monday night with Croaks as the weekly show for the Inside Running Podcast. So if you haven't heard of him before, that's who he is. He's a 217 marathon man, the co-host of the Inside Running Podcast, the head coach at the Mulligan's Track Track Club. Is that what they're called? I think so. Um, and this was a refreshing conversation. I've just come off air recording it and I am quite buzzing because it's um, it's a conversation that I've never had with Croaks before. We, uh, we went deep into a few things and it's so strange, um, weird, um, what's another adjective I can use to describe it? Odd, I guess, that you can speak to someone every uh, week for six years and never really get into these areas of their life. So I guess that's why I'm on a bit of a high after recording it, because I felt like, although we've obviously got a huge connection, Crooks and I, I think our connection just got a bit a bit stronger after this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for tuning into this series and being a listener of the Inside Running Podcast. This is episode number four of 10. Um, more than a run is something that I need to tell you about, thanks to Lululemon. That's coming up shortly. Movember's obviously happening, so if you know somebody who's got a fundraising page set up, feel free to yeah give them a donation if you've got the means to do that. But most importantly, just um, start the conversations. Everyone's got mates out, out there. It doesn't have to be a boy-girl thing. You can um, start talking about your mental health because I think you know these episodes have really opened my eyes to how much people are willing to talk if you do open up the the passage to have these conversations maybe just ask them where you're at give yourself a square out of 10 at the moment and see where that kind of takes you i've been yeah so surprised with how open and vulnerable our four guests have been so far so thank you for listening i hope you enjoy this one with croaks keep an eye out over uh, maybe the back end of the weekend for episode number five what are we the 16th of november we've got four in the bag we've got six to go I reckon, just like we chase your mileage every week, I reckon we're we're on a good spot. We haven't banked time early like usual, but we're in a good position there to kick it home with a big negative split and get to 10 episodes by the end of November. Thanks, guys. Enjoy this chat with Crooks. All right, we are recording. This should be fun. Maybe fun. I'm so nervous to record this one because the first three episodes have been with people that I think I know reason, reasonably well, but um, nowhere near as well as this person because for the last six years, pretty much every Monday night and probably every single day over those last six years, we've sent a message back and forth to each other. It is Bradley Croker, the co-host of the Inside Running Podcast. I would have done a little intro going into this croaks, but uh, thanks for giving up some time. Thanks for, I don't know, being vulnerable to talk about mental health with me for a while. No worries. Uh, yeah, thanks for the invite and uh, looking forward to our therapy session. Well, I don't want it to be a therapy <laughs> session. Moose has been getting into me as well, calling me like a mental health guru. I am definitely not, and I said this to Benny Saint the other day, like, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Like, I don't even know if we should be playing around with some of these kind of questions because it could get into a deep area that we're not qualified to discuss and stuff. But hey, it's two men who love running, mm. who are sitting down talking about uh, what their brains 
go through, I guess. That's the yeah. one way to put it. No, I'm more than happy to uh, open up. Yeah. You said something on air a couple of weeks ago when we first started putting episodes out. Um, I was talking about the Andy episode and the Dave McNeil episode, and you were saying, yeah, when it gets to me, I've, I've got heaps of mental health shit going on or something like that, you said. And then Carly even picked up on it as well. I think the next or a couple of days later at breakfast, she was like, what was Croaks talking about there? And I was just like, I've got no idea what he was talking about. But um, I don't know, maybe do you want to explain before we go into like your score out of 10 for your own mental health? Uh, yeah, well, I guess like I haven't seen anybody about my mental health, but I know that I've had some issues in the past and like I've probably got more uh, questions and more issues than I do answers and advice for people. Um, but yeah, like I've had some pretty dark days. Um, not so much now, like I'm actually in a pretty good spot, but you know, 2013, um, I had like a pretty rough sort of breakup and so I was 33 had just bought a block of land um, and then that's when the split happened. I'm like, I'm 33, I'm single, I've got this block of land, like why do I want to do this? And then I just go through periods and it's like I'm sort of realising now because um, I found out recently that my family have had some mental health issues and they've um, seen specialists and um, they're on medication. And so it obviously does run in the family a little bit. And because for years and years and years, it's like, I just go through these like rough patch where I'm like, why the hell am I feeling so down? And I almost felt guilty for it because I'm like, compared to a lot of the population, I've got nothing to be down about. Like, you know, I've got a decent job. I've got a good family. Like I run, like my running's reasonably successful. And so I'm just like, I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. So yeah, like I've never seen anybody for it. Um, but I've definitely had, um, yeah, like down periods, um, and yeah, like Viv knows when I'm depressed. So yeah, like that's a little, a little, a snippet, I suppose. Yeah, because initially I was like, oh, obviously it's the hard stuff. Like this is a guy who loves running, a guy who's like, you know, I feel like your world revolves around your running a bit sometimes. Like I know family's important to you, but mm. I, don't, I don't think you really like going to work that much. But um, when the hard stuff came up, I was like, this is gonna like oh. break this guy. Like, yeah. this is like, I was like thinking of Moose. I'm like, I don't know, like, he could be down in the dumps for years. I'm like, what are we going to do if this is the situation? Whereas your positivity on the mm. weekly show and just what seems like in like day to day life is it hasn't been impacted at all. So, like, yeah. I, from the outside looking in, I would say I was expecting you to be down and that mm. would have been a massive, um, you know, dark time for you. But mm. from the also the outside looking in, it's like, oh no, you've smashed this like period. Yeah, and I was saying to you off air that you would have thought that, yeah, with the heart stuff that my mental health would have been the worst this year, mm. but it's actually been probably the best. And you mentioned before that um, like running is like, has been pretty much my world for like 20 mm. plus years. And I almost think that although running is good for mental health, I think in a way running has been bad for my own mental health because for, for a long time I have – just solely focused on running. Yes, I've gone and got a degree. Um, I've had jobs, but it's like every day I've woken up and it's like running. And part of me, part of me, felt guilty as well because it's like I'm not even that fucking good to like to basically. <laughs> Pretty good. No, no, no. But like you know what I mean. Like to go all in on something. I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like I'm potentially missing out on a whole heap of experiences because I'm running so much, and. The reason why I think my mental health is so good this year is 
I'm the most balanced I've probably ever been because like I wasn't competing as much anyway in the lead up to the heart stuff. Um, the heart stuff meant that I placed a lot more effort into the coaching and the development of the, the Canberra group, which that is the highlight of my week now is rocking up twice a week, seeing that group running with them. Um, not running as much means that I'm going to work and I'm probably a little bit more present because I'm not as tired and then family as well. So like the kids are now at an age where like Lily's doing things for the first time and you can see like just the joy in her face. Like, you know, went to the coast a few weeks ago and it was the first time she like swam out past the waves and like was diving under the waves. And we went for a big bike ride yesterday and I'm just riding next to her. And it's like, this is, this is better than any PB. And so it's the first time I've had a good balance, which I haven't had for 20 plus years. When you were running seriously though, did you think it would like that stuff would be better than a PB or were you because guilty as a parent who's trying to train hard and work hard, I sometimes don't have the energy for that shit. I'm like, we got to go for a walk around the block with the kids on the bike. I'm like, I'm sitting on a 1% battery here and I want to I want to kind of save energy for the next day. And I'm like, and then sometimes I'm in a shitty mood and then same thing, I'd then feel guilty. And if you compared going for, it sounds bad, but like seeing the joy of my kid riding a bike compared to running a PB, what you're now saying, I'd be like, mm. I can't see it at this stage because I know the euphoria you get when you run a PB. Yeah, it, it does change. But also I think the fact that I haven't been running as much allows me to actually spend more time doing that stuff mm. with, with Lily. Whereas some of the afternoons when I was um, not able to run at all, my only option was to go for a walk. So I would take her down to the pond and she would ride her bike and I would walk next to her. Whereas if I was running 160K a week, it's like, oh, I'd be going out for a second run. Mm. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be walking yeah. while she's riding her bike. So, yeah, I think balance is the one thing that I haven't had for a very long time. That combined with obviously there's some sort of genetic component with, with my mental health. Um, but, yeah, and also I think the longer I've, sort of I guess dealt with it I'm better now at identifying when I'm having a, a rough patch and I can just go oh hey yeah that's just the mental health thing I either have the option of like sp like spiraling out of control by just having more negative thoughts whereas now I can actually flip things around a little bit and look at more the positives as opposed to like negatives because when I was first you know experiencing all these down periods I would just find the negatives in everything. Whereas uh -huh. now I, I feel like I can sort of flip it around and look at positive. So for example, with the heart stuff, like, you know, when I haven't had a bad mental health period during the heart stuff, but it previously, if I was having a bad patch and the heart stuff came on, it would have been like just negative, negative, negative. Whereas this time around it's like, Oh, Hey, well, I get to put more effort into the coaching side of things to I'm being looked after now by the best people in the country or the world in terms of like looking after my health. So yeah, I've just been able to flip things a little bit more than what I used to be able to do. Yeah. Take me back to the, when the, um, you first noticed it with that breakup, you just bought the block of land. Do you think there was a bit of that, like society's expectation is like, mm. you shouldn't be single at 33. Like what's going to happen to your next three or four years of your life. And like, are you going to yeah. be, you know, the person that go, people laugh about, oh, look at this guy, still single at 33, never found his match kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. And also at that time, you know, career was never like, you know, I graduated with a teaching degree in 2002 
and what are we 2023 i've been a full-time teacher for six months in that whole time what's that 20 21 years yeah yeah 20 21 years of having a teaching degree and i've been a full-time teacher for six months so yeah i've never been career career driven um but yeah there was that sort of like what am i doing with my life and when i was when you have these rough patches you think like what the fuck's the purpose of life i don't even know what the purpose of life is what should i be doing should i be going out and just doing what i what makes me happy should i be looking after other people and i often struggle with that is like what is my purpose whereas in the last year or two with the family i've got with the coaching group i've got i'm like i know what my purpose is now it's not it's not me being selfish running 160k a week it's making sure my kids have a good life it's you know making sure that the people that like now coach don't make the same mistakes that that i made and and that sort of thing so i think purpose is a massive component of it as well but two years or pre-hard stuff i would say that your purpose was to be the best runner brad croaky can be mm, like as which a, is, and I've, I've looked at you in the past and being like saying to carly i'm like shit i wish i could train at the same time that croaks trains and stuff like that like and like almost being jealous i'm like this guy's got this a pretty good opportunity to set this up kind of thing here yeah and, and look when running's going well that's all fine. But when you've got nothing as a backup plan and you get mm. an injury or your running's not going so well, then then you're screwed. Yeah, all and that's where in one basket kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I used to always think how cool it would be to be a full-time pro athlete. But if you've got, like, nothing else to fall back on, it, it you know, it's it, – as I said, it, it's awesome when I – I had a job after I left Swimming Australia. It was a public service job, and I used to rock up there – uh, actually, it was lead up to um, it was lead up to our Berlin race, and you know I was training pretty well at the start of 2017, and um, but it was one of those jobs where I rocked up, went home at the end of the day, and I would be driving home. I'm like, I did nothing today. Like it would not have mattered if I was in the office, and that was all mm. fine. And and while I was running well, I'm like, this is the best job in the world because I can just put all of my eggs in the one yeah. basket, run 170k a week. My sessions are going well. My races are going well, and then you know, my I hurt my Achilles in the lead up to um to Berlin. And I'm obviously in a pretty shitty, shitty period. And then they off they asked me to um because I was on a contract at that job and they asked me to like apply for the position for when I got back from Berlin. And I did apply for it initially. And then the week before we left for Berlin, I said, look, take my name off the off the interview list because I'm not I'm not coming back because I knew if I came back I'd just be in a really bad sort of mental mental headspace because it's just a dead end job. Um, so that's when I went back to back to teaching when I got back from Berlin. Yeah, so purpose is obviously huge for you. And I think it's the first time we've yeah. heard the word purpose um, in these these episodes for your mental health. You've got to have purpose, and it's like a helping other people purpose, not a selfish mm. kind of purpose thing where everything's, you know, centered around a singular goal or objective. Yeah, and, and balance, I think. And that's the one thing, like my personality is I'm very all or nothing with things and it's very hard to have a balance when you're like that. And I sometimes feel like, and I'm not sure if it's the, the chicken or the egg, whether for me, like my personality sort of lends itself to distance running where you're that type, type A personality where you're like a bit of a perfectionist and... And so, which at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you, you can't achieve perfection. And so I feel like running is sometimes, yeah, as I said before, it's like being bad for my, bad for my mental health in a way. Um, mm. Chasing that thing that doesn't exist. 
Hmm. Yeah. Mate, we've started heavy. What's your score out of ten today then? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm about an eight, I reckon. Like, yeah, it's been good. As I said, like, work's quite enjoyable at the moment because I've got that. You know, I'm not tired from training. I feel like I can be a bit present because I've got those two two days that I don't, don't run a week. Um, family life's good. Uh, I'm running like enough that I feel pretty good when I'm running, and I feel like the fitness is building. So yeah, I'd say I'd say about an eight. Yeah. When you're not an eight, like you said before, like Viv will, you know, pick mm. it and you'll you'll pick it. You, you said you looked at kind of like a pros and cons list, like just write down all the positive. Like is it a physical thing where you'll write down all the good things in your life to kind of direct your attention there or just like you sit and think or yeah. how do you get yourself out of it when you're not an eight? Yeah, so I generally just sit down and think about, all right, well, and because I've got better at identifying when I'm having a rough patch, I'm like, okay, I can go one of two ways. I can either just get more negative about everything and just go into a bit of a downward spiral, or I can actually look at the positives. Um, yeah, and I have a lot of positives to, to look back on. You know, like my life's bloody bloody great. And so it's more of just knowing that, all right, there's obviously something going in, on in my brain that's sort of altering my perception of things a little bit. And so I need to just stop that and go, hang on a second. Hey, um, I've got this coming up, you know, got two awesome kids you know Healthy you don't kids. need yeah. yeah you don't you don't need to be so down because there's a help you know there's a heap of people out there that are doing a lot harder than what you are yeah so then what triggers that those thoughts those negative thoughts and that spiral away from the eight out of ten have you identified those things to be like hey no. i need to stay away from that no, and, and that's and that's potentially why I need to go and see someone because that could just be a um, like a genetic, like almost like a sickness mm. in a way where it's like I, I can't control the sickness; it just comes on. And, and yeah, it took a long a long while for me to, re, to like to think or realize like why the hell am I so down? But then it makes sense when I hear about like my brother and my mum and that sort of thing being on medication for mental health. Um, and I was chatting to my brother today and. I asked him about it and he said, yeah, well, I get like a lot of sort of anxiety as well and, and the medication helps his anxiety. And like, I think I do as well. Like, although I've been doing podcasts for six years, like I'm I'm very much an introvert and I get, like, I would love to do more interviews, but I get so nervous. Like I get so nervous for any interview I do with an athlete or a coach or whatever. And to the point that I have to spend so much time in the lead up preparing everything to overcome that anxiety so that I have a plan. Like I have all my notes ready to go so that I'm never sort of dealing with that anxiety. And it's, um, yeah, like I wish it, was, I wish it wasn't that way. People that. Knowing like there's a lot of people who have listened to finished products with some of the interviews you would have put out over the last six years and they'd be shocked to hear that you, that doesn't come oh. naturally to you, but your preparation is what gets those results. Yeah, it's that, yeah, um, that perf- it's that perfectionist. It's like if I have something, if I go to bed with something on my mind, it just goes around in my head, in my head, in my head, and it's like often just keeps me up. Um, do you, do you have, yeah, you have trouble sleeping sometimes? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. especially if I've had something going on in my head, and it can be like it can be the, the most minor thing, like, but it's just keeps going around in my head. So Yeah, um, oh, I'm the same. I put in headphones every night. To, mm. and I'll put our sleep timer for 15 minutes or half an hour, depending how tired I am, just of some footy podcast mm. or some conversation or basketball, whatever it is, like something I don't really care that much about, but I'm happy to have somebody else in my ears so it's not yeah. my own voice going around in my head. 
Mm. Um, and that then, and then my first, so I'm like shocking at the end of the day and the start of the day. Like I've got a rule now where I don't think I'm not allowed to pay attention to any thoughts in my head for the first five minutes because they are always so negative. So when my mm. alarm goes off, I'm like, poor me. Why am I getting up so early? I've got to go to school today. I've got to do this next week. Fucking da da da. Just get and everything. Just like says, right, we're just going to kill your brain with all this stuff. Mm. Whereas now I just go, nah, not paying any attention. I'm going to, I'll start thinking properly in five minutes. I would have had a coffee by then. I would have like hobbled out of bed and I'm like, because I know that shit first in the morning is like a killer. Like I just yeah. go, I don't know if that's a normal thing for people, but for some reason my brain just goes to everything that could potentially be negative in my life. Like to the, the other day I would have woken up and been like, oh, I've got to interview Benny St. Lawrence today. What are you sure that's going to be? And I'm like, fuck, it's my hero. Like yeah. what an opportunity yeah. is to do that. Do you get nervous? Do you get nervous, really nervous before that sort of stuff or not? Because you um, don't seem to. No, I, I don't know. I get nervous in, I, I see it now as like it's an opportunity and a privilege to do it. Like not so much it's a chore. Like we are in a very, like, it's like I grew up, well, I still live in a, in a town where I rarely see other people who run. I grew up as the biggest fanboy of Australian distance running. So I kind of flip it as like, this is nothing to get nervous for. This is an opportunity. Like, man, you got to interview Craig Mottram. Yeah. Like, I had posters of Craig Mottram in my wall. So I'm like, yes, I'm nervous about it, but it's more the excitement mm. of it now. And yeah. it's like, of course, it's I get more nervous about the live stuff we do. But at the same time, I always dumb it down to like, we're talking about something that we know so much about. Like, it's yeah. it's almost, I almost think the interviewee is almost the person who has the pressure on them as well. Yeah, because true. I think our audience know what they're going to get with, with you and me. Um, mm. And we're, we're, we're in charge of, I often say to people, like, in an interview, we're the 20%, but the, the guest makes up the 80 So, like, yeah. there's only so much we can stuff up with the 20%. And you can hear it on other running podcasts when they do mm. stuff it up and just ask stupid questions. And it almost doesn't get that, that guest the yeah. opportunity to do the 80%. But I think because we've done it so much now, I'm comfortable with, um, with doing it. So... Mm. Um, but back to so, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, so well, the, the example with the anxiety. So I always like love how when you do your intros, like every Monday night, we'll get on and we'll chat for a couple of minutes before you press record. Now, like, all right, boys, going to press record, and then you just go, yeah, welcome to episode, blah blah blah. We got this, we got this, we got this, and then anytime I have to host it, I literally write <laughs> out the intro because I'm like, I just want to get things started smoothly, and the best way for me to do that with you know, reducing my anxiety levels is to have it scripted. And so it, I, I know it comes across scripted when I'm introducing the show if I'm hosting, but it's the way that I can deal with because once once the show's up and running, then yeah. it's fine. It's just that T- taking off started. The, taking off the airplane, getting it off the ground kind of thing. Yeah. But mine is very much like and now listeners will know this when they listen every week. It's it's fake it till you make it. Like go in with hard energy, and that's why I fucked up that Grand Prix the other day. Because yeah. it's like I didn't do any research and I'm scanning through what the notes are that you'd written. I hadn't even written it. And then it's like when you just run out, you just start listing off Moose's two fourteen marathon PB and how are you Moose? And you're just like, bam, where the airways go to somebody else and it's their turn to contribute. But um, when you're talking about anxiety as well around racing, like yep. were, were you, I didn't really know you at all when you were a track guy, but I, I compare, and I do distinctively remember, me and you walking to the start line of Berlin in 2017 and you telling me I shouldn't be like, I should be taking this more serious. Like I was, I was mm. joking around and fucking around and you're like, Brady, you're better on a marathon. I'm like concentrate and be serious. And I'm like, 
I'm I, kind of similar. I kind of like fake it till I make it as well, pre-races. And when I'm racing, then that's why sometimes I do stupid things in races. But were you higher strung when you used to run track compared mm-hmm. to coming to the roads and the longer stuff? No, I was probably – I probably got more higher strung later on in my running. And maybe that's when all of this mental – this mental health was a lot worse, I reckon, from probably post-30. And so – in the and I think as well with the track running, you're racing so often because you're doing 1500 like every week there for you know mm. in a period of time during the and so you sort of just get used to racing and like bit what Dave McNeil said in his it's like well you know you can train for that you know anxiety in races by just going and racing more um, and so I did a lot of that when I was younger but then once I sort of got into my 30s it was you know as you know once you sort of move up onto the roads you don't race quite as often unless you know if you obviously if you're doing XCR and that sort of stuff you're racing regularly but when you're racing a couple of marathons a year um, plus I feel like then once the this mental health stuff started to take hold with my like personality of being a perfectionist I only really wanted to run when I knew that it was going to be a good result. So I wouldn't sort of, you know, get into a negative headspace. Um, but for me, for me as well, I think anxiety was in a way a good thing for racing because if, if I didn't feel nervous for it, then I wouldn't have had extra adrenaline pumping through my body. And I feel like that extra adrenaline when you're racing is worth a few seconds of K compared to training. That's what I say to people. It's like if you're going out and doing a, a 30 minute tempo, just on a normal Friday morning and you're running three thirties, like that same effort in a race is going to be three twenty fives, if not faster because of all the extra adrenaline plus people around you. Um, the worst I ever had it though was Canberra marathon 2017. So I remember you interviewed me for your, tell me your tales and I hadn't run a marathon. So yeah, first marathon was 2013 I then didn't run one till 2016, and that was Melbourne, which was sort of a half ass just to get the Berlin qualifier, which was 245. Did you so, run with Jess that day? Uh, no, it was um, Virginia Maloney, I think, won. Okay. I think she won it that day. And so I remember was I Jess ran with second the, or third? Was Jess there? No, no I don't think Jess ran. No, because no, that was um, Josh Harris paced her the year that she did it, I think. Oh, yeah, that was 2016. They nearly yeah, caught so, me. Yeah, so this was the year after that. And so I ran with the lead women women's pack for the first half. And I think actually Ash Watson was in that pack as well. But my goal for the day was, because I didn't have an awesome prep, was just to run the 245 um, and obviously kicked it down and ran like 230. So a- April 2000... Hey, my, my goal was to run 245 yeah. and I kicked it down and, and took 15 minutes off that. Yeah, well, I just went out with... The, yeah, I just went out with the lead women, which they were probably running, what, mid, mid-230s or something oh. like that. Um, yeah, but that was my goal for the day. Uh, but then knowing that we'd locked in Berlin for the end of 2017, I wanted to get one serious marathon in the lead up to that. So, um, I trained for Canberra and I was going pretty well and I had the worst pre-race anxiety for days in advance. Like I remember I didn't sleep, I reckon I didn't sleep maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday night. And I was going to work and I was just like a zombie. And I actually went to the doctor and I said, um, look, I've got the Canberra Marathon this weekend. It's like, it's pretty important for me. Um, and I haven't slept for the last two nights. If I don't sleep like tonight, three nights in a row, like my race is, is cooked. So he actually prescribed me some temazepam 
Um, and so I yeah had basically sleeping tablets um, for the maybe the Thursday night and the Friday night to get some sleep. And then occasionally I would just use those for like, you know, flights over to Europe and stuff like that. But that was the worst pre-race anxiety I've ever had to the point that I lost like a couple of nights of sleep and did have to go and get some medication. Um, but on the flip side, this year at Sydney 10, I had no anxiety whatsoever to the point that a few K into the race, I'm like, why am I even here? So I think I think anxiety in a way is needed mm. on race day or I'm not sure if anxiety is the right word. Like Didn't Sydney well, tend the year nerds. before though as well? You were on sleeping tablets to get to sleep? Uh they're probably just leftover ones. Yeah, I did take yeah, I actually yeah, did take I one you that said, year. You said it was really noisy like your hotel and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so they were just left over to Mazapan, probably out of date. Mate, you can't go to that. <laughs> don't, don't have any left. Do you get weird dreams when you take that? Uh no, nah, you just wake up feeling a bit sort of foggy i suppose not being able to sort of just focus too well yeah i remember yeah, not... when i went to spain last year i got some and i remember taking like half a tablet maybe the week before just to like test it and my dreams are like like i must have been in deep rem or whatever but i had the like weirdest dreams and now so then i decided not to take them on the plane because i'm like yeah i'm gonna stay away from that that didn't mm. work well with my brain but yeah just waking up foggy um so same thing though you don't know what the trigger was like why for that canberra one i don't know i guess i just built build it up like obviously i just put so much pressure on myself for that one where because because i hadn't run a marathon a serious one since 2013 this is 2017 and i don't know i guess i just had really high expectations of myself and um was just super super nervous uh probably just yeah like can that tell me a tales interview gotcha Maybe a, I just, put extra just, pressure on you. I just cared too much to to the point though. Like the the first half of that race was absolutely terrible. Like I felt crap, and then the second half was was awesome. Yeah, I'm second. Um, third. Third. Um, but I think I, I think I really uh, Matt Cox and uh, one of the African guys that was living out here at the time. Oh, Samuel. Yeah. Walt Walter. Maybe yeah, it was he used him. To run yeah, South that, Melbourne back in the day. The red and white singlet. Yeah, but I think I ran like seventy minutes for the second half. Um, yeah, but I like, but felt like, but, but felt good in that second half, but garbage in the first half. So yeah, so yeah, so yeah, the the expectations would all be internally. Oh, it's all internal. Yeah, like no yeah. one's putting expectations on you to go dominate Canberra Marathon. No, and like I, I guess it was so long ago now that I can't even remember. Um, like why I put so much pressure on myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, and I, I guess that's also the problem when you put all your eggs in one basket. You know, it's like, what was I doing 2017? I was work-wise. Uh, I started 2017, would have been that, yeah, dead-end dead end public service job that I had. Mm. So I was in that. And so got nothing else. Like I didn't have a family then, um, wasn't coaching anybody. It was running. And... As I said before, at times I'm thinking to myself, like, why why am I even running as much as I am? Like, I'm not that, in the scheme of things, I'm not that good. Like, I'm not going to the Olympics. But the problem was I'd been doing it for 20 years. I didn't know anything else. Like, whereas I was always jealous of people that maybe had a bit more balance or would, you know, still run well but be doing this or that and the other, which is probably like a lot of people that I coach, you know. They're not, they're not all in on their running. And so they have that balance. Um, and so if one, if one part of their life is not going well, they've got all of these other outlets, which I didn't have at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like looking back at it, like I, I'm sort of given running a bit of a bad rap here, like blaming running for like, you know, causing poor mental health. But then I look what running has provided me and it's like, you know, I've managed because of my running, you know, cool job at the AIS, you know, sort of um, this podcast, like this podcast has been amazing in terms of the, the flexibility it's allowed for me to spend time at home with Lily. Um, mm. the, the coaching's come off the back of that. So I'm obviously like very grateful for what running's done. And, and to a point, I don't regret going all in on it, but I think there was times when it, it did hurt my, uh, my health by not having anything outside of running. Yeah. You, to go back, there's heaps of different rabbit holes we can jump down here, but you mentioned your family before, and I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but that's, since we've asked you to do this, like this show, that's been something you've opened up the doors of communication about, like you're, that hasn't happened before, you, this is all new information to you as a 40-year-old? No, like, and it was, it was weird, because I, I knew this interview was coming, and I thought to myself, like, how much am I going to open up here, because, like, I feel like it's a cop out if I don't, you know, like it's, it's, it's November, it's men's health month. Um, you know, I, I could have easily just got on here and just played the, Oh yeah. No, I'm like my mental health's always been pretty good. I get a few nerves before races, but I'm like, no, nah, I, I want to do this properly. And for me to do that, it's like, well, I actually wanted to confirm that there was some mental health issues within my family. Cause everything I'd heard was from like, you know, one other brother or they, you know, mum may have said, Oh yeah, this brother's on, medication and then dad might have mentioned that mum's on medication but like mum hasn't told me that she's on medication and my brother hasn't told me he's on medication and so I wanted to find out this afternoon from my brother and um it was actually a really good chat like I I messaged him and then he gave me a call and uh he's actually still on medication he's been on on it for for years um and so yeah which part of me is like maybe I should have gone and seen somebody or I, so, I sort of wonder now, like, if I was taking some medication, like, how differently I would feel about things. Like, would it would it actually improve my running? Would I would I want to race more often because I wouldn't place as much pressure on myself? I, I don't I don't mm. know. But I'm also, yeah, I'm also conscious of well, why put medication into my body if I can sort of manage it in other ways, which I, I feel like I've slowly developed the tools yeah. just through past experiences to be able to do that. Plus life life situation has changed with family um to make you know more balance and, and and just make me generally happier with life in general yeah and i don't have absolutely any qualifications to be talking about this but i'll, I'll still will but if the episodes are less and less frequent now you'd think that that's that's also got to help but isn't it like great that now what may have been like a taboo topic for you and your family members mm. is like, oh no, I just messaged my brother. We had a phone call about it. It's like, yeah. and that's, I guess, a bit of the goal of this whole November project to be like, we're just having it. We're just talking shit about it. Like, yeah. And then you choose what you go do next. Like it's, yeah, just mm. opening the door. Yeah. Well, even not, you see it on TV. I know here in Canberra, you know, the, the Canberra Raiders are on um, that ad where it's, you know, it's, it's not weak to speak and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it, it's commonplace for people to talk about it now, which I, I guarantee like 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have spoken of, like this, mm. like, oh, but no, it's, no it's, way. it's, it's acceptable. Two years ago. It's acceptable to do it now. Mm. Um, Is there anyone yeah. else you talk to about this other than like Viv or she's kind of your rock with this? No, nah, Viv's the only one that, uh, yeah, Viv's like, so up until tonight, 
talking to you, Viv's the only one. Like mum and dad have known because Viv will often uh, could sort of communicate with them about whether I'm in a good period or a bad period. So, yeah, so mum and dad know. Plus the relationship that I've had with my parents in the past. It's like because I got sent to boarding school when I was 12. And so, you know, we're not the closest family. Um, and so often when I was going through these sort of rough patches, I'd often become quite sort of um, – uh, closed off to like to everyone sort of thing um and so mum and dad obviously knew something was going on plus then knowing that you know mum had her issues and one of my brothers ha- had his issues it sort of made sense that i would probably have some issues as well um yeah so and do you use the language like hey my mental health's not great at the moment or like is it just like like i know firsthand i'll say to carly hey i'm in a pretty shit mood like this is like or i'll i'll use that like analogy of like my phone like you know I, I'm, yeah. on, I'm on about five percent here like i can't dig much deeper like it's been this happened that happened whatever i got i got shook by this whatever it was but mm. I, i've never really said like hey my mental health is pretty shit right now it's often like i'm in a shit mood I'm struggling yeah. with work. This I'm overstressed. I've got too many plates spinning, as Benny St. Lawrence would say. Like, or how do you kind of explain it? Uh, probably like I'm feeling down or I'm in a, in a funk. Okay. Like probably in, in a funk is probably a, a, a good fr- or a common phrase that I would use. Um, plus, Viv can just sort of pick up on it yeah, as yeah. well. Like, she, she knows when I'm, she knows no, when I'm not myself, but she also knows, like, how to, like, react when I'm like that as well, so like massive shout out to Viv because I'd imagine that there'd be some partners out there that wouldn't be as accepting and would just, you know, I don't care how you're feeling, you're acting like a prick. Like, mm. so she's very much knows, I guess, the right things to say and the buttons to push to just, you know, ease me out of it i suppose yeah or why are you in a funk today like you haven't looked after the kids or you haven't gone to work or like you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? yeah. it's just like they go shit why am i in this down in yeah. the dumps yeah but, yeah but it gets back to that whole thing and then but then when you get told that you're like yeah like why am i down because i shouldn't be there's friggin' so many other people it's out still there the in the feeling, world though, that it's the feeling though I'm, isn't it I know, but for a long yeah. time I felt so guilty of feeling down yeah. because I've got nothing to feel down about yeah. compared to so many other people. But you just can't control. You just can't control no. it at times. Yeah, oh, I've <laughs> done because I like I love that like the resilience project things. You know, the gratitude and like you know what to focus on these positives and stuff. And I've done it so many times. Well, not it's not so many times. Like this is minimal for me. But it's been times where I'm just like, what do you do? Like you listing off ten amazing things that are great in your life. Like and you're just like, mm-hmm. why are you feeling this way? And then yeah, you're right. Then it starts that cycle of being like, then you're down because you're feeling down when you should be feeling happy because you've got this list of 10 things you've just yeah. written out and you're just like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is there. Well, do you just well, keep listing more things or do you start seeing a GP? I know you're the host of the show, Ray, but I've got a question for you in terms of, because you've gone very much all in on running as well. Like, you know, you basically work, got family. Yes, you mm. maybe came to running a little bit later than me, but do you ever, like, look, or do you ever think, you see other friends and they've got various hobbies and you've basically got, you know, largely the running hobby. Do you ever, and at the end of the day, like, yes, you might run like 216, 215 for the marathon, 214, but it's not significantly going to change your life compared to the 219, but you're potentially missing out on experiencing all these other parts of life. And, you know, do you ever, do you ever think about that? 
I try not to do the like comparison thing because I've got because I think there'd be mates going, oh, this Brady gets to make money off just talking to his <laughs> mates about running every Monday night, or like Brady gets to go mm. to Tokyo with Lululemon, or Brady gets to you know he gets all this free shit delivered to my house that I've got to review every couple of weeks and stuff like that. So I can see people me going, oh, this is unfair that I don't get to go on that footy trip or whatever it is. Mm. But then I yeah I try I try not I think comparing ourselves is really bad. And no, I don't really, because I think what we've got from running, and even, yeah, if I get a 216, I'd be stoked, 219, I'd be content. The experiences we've got from the one sole mm. sport, and that could be an experience like seeing someone, you know, I've got a guy coach running the state 5K champs in 25 minutes' time. So it's like, that that's a good experience as a coach. And I've been at the state yeah. 5K champs myself and being on the, on the sidelines, you know, the people who got to interviews been amazing. Like I, I've interviewed Bernard Legat. Yeah. Live, like I stood on a stage at Gold Coast and interview next to Moose and interview Jess Stenson in front of five hundred people, and yeah. we and we get paid to do it. Like it's so all those kind of things. Now I'm just like, I don't like the comparison game. And if my mind goes there, I think I've missed out on life experiences in another mm. area of my life. I look at this massive list of cool shit. You know, Carly and I travelled yeah. to Berlin and we ran Berlin Marathon together. Like. Yeah. And yeah, I went to Spain last year. Like it just, I can, I could list off fifty things that, not that I'm trying to shut my other mates down who have got mm. hobbies and ride motorbikes or go wakeboarding or whatever it is. Even I got really, there was a period there where I used to feel so sorry for myself that I couldn't go out and get hammered every Saturday night because I had to do a long run. Because yeah. I'm just like, like I'll drive past the border in which is this pub down on the corner, and I'd be like, fuck, I'd do anything to be sitting out there sinking beers with the boys. And then, but the next morning you do your long run yeah. and you come off it and you're like, look at this, I've just hit 32K at 4.10 average, it's closed off 160K a week because that, I think that's my purpose, mm. like yeah. working on, and even if I never run that good marathon, I'm just, I think it's been good for me to work on trying to run a good marathon instead of, because yeah. you, you know what it's like when you wake up hungover and stuff anyway, like mm. it might be a good three or four hours, but you don't get that yeah. same sense of, so yeah, I've, I've gone sideways around your question a bit there, but no, yeah. I get it. I, I think it's really. Where, I think that was a really good answer. And that's social where, media um, shit. Yeah, and like even the connections you make, like we're yeah. pretty lucky. I reckon we could almost travel anywhere in the world, and we'd be able to hit up somebody to say, "Hey, um, let's go for a run," or "Do you know yeah. where to run yeah. around here?" And um, yeah, and also like the fact, like when Andy was on about, it took him a long time to like he wanted he wanted to not just be the runner. You know, he wanted to have. You know, he's a teacher and he's a runner, but then he's he's got now comfortable with just being known as mm. hey, I'm Andy the runner, which I, I've I've yo-yoed with that for twenty years. Same. It's like yep. at, at times I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm happy that I've gone all in on running because it's led to these jobs, these opportunities. You know, these shoes being delivered at the door. Um, you know, being able to being able to interview these you know athletes, even though I'm sort of nervous and have anxiety when I do it, but it's still a, it's still a, you know pressures a privilege. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's other times when I'm like, oh, being just the runner is no good. Like because it's I know I need something else to you know ground me or just to you know when running's not going so well, just to have that other outlet. Yeah, and that's like I seem to have now. We've all almost got that subcategory as running now. It's like you're a running coach, you're a running broadcaster, mm. you're a runner, your actual self. You're like Moose is a running influencer, so he's got that kind of bow in his <laughs> in his in his whatever that saying is as well. But um, yeah, I think it's accepting that. I was always the same as well because I was always shit scared of getting injured, thinking that 
everything else in my life would fall apart because I couldn't run. Because yeah. I'd think I'm only I can only be a teacher the way I teach because I go for a run in the morning, or I can only be the dad I can be because I go for a run. Like my kids like see me get home from a run every morning. Like I come home mm. and they're sitting in their high chair and they're they're seated at the table eating breakfast. Like they, they only know me like if they get up before I go for a run, which is rare, but they only know me as the dad who walks in when they're halfway through mm. breakfast. So I always wonder how much because my identity is so tied with doing my life at, off the back of a run in the morning if I would be then different personality. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, which is strange. Next one, what does your brain do when you do different types of like runs? Do you notice difference when you come off like workouts or long runs or hill reps or just an easy recovery run? Uh, yeah, so for me, the easy recovery runs, I don't get a lot of thresholds. Wrong. I don't get yeah well maybe maybe that's why I've always run fast. Yeah, maybe chasing something is because I don't get much from like yeah like if I know that I'm going out for a really slow recovery run I'm just like ugh like why why do this you know maybe I'm I'm happy just to sit on the couch instead whereas I get myself up for a long run um, one because I know how important it is to the overall sort of weekly structure of improving as as a distance runner. But I always feel like there's this sense of achievement as well when you look back and you get to 10 o'clock Sunday morning and you've you know you've you've run 30k and um, and then obviously yeah the endorphins from an interval session you know I, I enjoy that as well like it's funny I ask a lot of people at training whether they like cooldowns and so many people like say they hate the cooldown like they just really? want to they just want to go home whereas for me it's like I hate the warm up because well one I don't have the endorphins pumping through the body yet. I've got maybe a bit of anxiety about what's coming. But then you finish that session and then you have that sort of five minutes where you change your shoes and you're like, oh, that's done. I feel amazing. Now let's go and have a chat for the next 20 minutes while we cool down. And I, I I love it. Like I feel like I could just go and run for another hour in a cool down because, yeah, you got the endorphins, the session's done. Um, yeah, so long runs and sessions are where I get the most sort of uh, yeah, enjoyment or buzz from, I suppose. Do you get a bit of a strut on afterwards? Like I've been at the supermarket, like post a track workout on my grass track, like strutting around there, just being like anyone, like anyone wants to come at me, I'm happy to go. Like I get real up and about post track workouts. I think I can run through a wall. Uh-huh. Especially if yeah, the session's gone well, you, you're up and about. Oh, and that's why, if it's and not that's why I think, do a cool down. Yeah. And that's why I think for a long time, like you boys have hassled me about not racing so much, but I almost get the same endorphin hit and uh, yes, same endorphin hit from just a good training session or a good run as I do from a, a good race. And I, but I have less, less, less sort of anxiety and, and put less pressure on myself in those training sessions than I do for race for races. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What other like, have you, you kind of, you feel like you got strategies in place, but have you used, I know you said you haven't seen a doctor and it might be something you do, but like, have you got any other resources that you use or any other uh, like just routines? Like, like I said before, like I've got this first five minute rule. Like, have you got any like incidental things like that? that you're just like, this is what I have to do in my day to look after my mental health. Yeah. So things that I like to do if I know that I'm in sort of a bit of a downward spiral is almost just get out of my current sort of reality. Um, so, so get out of my own head, I suppose. And so the two ways that I do that is like music. 
Like I love, I love my music. Maybe not the same music that you love, Did but like her and Linda. Yeah, well, I, funny you say that, Brady. I, that that song, they've um, when will you fall for me? I I do remember that song from years ago, and it got me. It's on my playlist. It's on my Spotify playlist now. Oh, you put I've it been, on there. Yeah, it's been on repeat. I oh, I get it. Yeah, I think it's it comes back to my personality that when. I get onto a song, it's on just repeat, repeat, oh, yeah. repeat, repeat. Yeah, so I do, same, I do yeah. like that song. Um, yeah. So listening to music that sort of I enjoy that then takes my mind off feeling shit. Um, um, just on the music thing, I know it's a serious <laughs> conversation and we're yeah. getting like off off topic. But then, do you flog the song so hard that then, like three weeks later, you're like, yeah, no, I'm sick of that song. I'm not listening to that for the rest of the year. No, I generally I flog it for a while, might even just be a week, and then I don't listen to it. But then if I you know I hear it a couple of months later, I still enjoy it. So I don't I don't completely kill it. Yeah, okay. I'm a complete um, killer. FYI. Yeah, I, I go hard on it, and then just yeah, yeah. just stop listening. Um, so music and all, and the other one is just like TV shows, I suppose. Like you know, j- jumping on a bit of Netflix and just getting into a series where. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm in that world as opposed to what's actually happening. And yeah, it's not a, it's probably not a, it's not sustainable, I suppose, to just do that sort of stuff, especially if you're in a really bad spot. But it does, it does help in the short term just to sort of flick the, flick the switch and and maybe reset things a little bit. Yep. So that's to reset things. But what do you do to avoid like getting in there? Like, are there things that you need? So it's like, do you need a, you know, be outdoors for an hour a day, do some kind of exercise, or do you need a, do you know what I mean? Like if yeah, you have X amount know. of hours sleep or eat certain foods or drink a litre of water or whatever it is. Yeah, so I can't I can't okay. answer that because when I get into this, when I get into, well, let's call it depression. Yeah, you don't know what puts you into it. No, it's, uh, I guess it's, because from what I understand with some forms of depression, it's like a bit of an illness where it's just, yeah. it's just the, the chemical, yep. the chemicals in your brain yep, just yep, yep. make, make you feel a certain way and make you start thinking a particular way. Yeah. So, so I don't know what stops that from coming on other than I think just being in a happy place and that happy place means being around my kids, being around the group that I coach. So like, you know, every Tuesday afternoon when I'm driving out to training, every Friday morning when I'm driving to training, it's like I can't wait to get there and, and just see everyone, um, which, you know. David, you spoke about, about that as well, like the people around you are so important. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never been a morning person, but since starting up these group sessions, like I'm out of bed at, well, well before 6 because we meet at 6.30. And, um, yeah, like I've, I've – I've never done that in 20 years of running, but I'm sort of really looking forward to getting up every Friday morning now. Um, yeah, so I think while ever I'm happy and I've got a few, or put it this way, I, th- I think since my kids have grown up, like that's been a massive part. Like when when I first became a dad, I really struggled. That was probably mm. another one of my rough patches. So Lily was born 2018. I was gearing up for Valencia Marathon and was like, like, I was training significantly better than I was in the lead up to Lake Biwa. Um, and so I thought, oh, here we go. Like I only need, I only need to take off like 80 seconds for a world champs qualifier. And then Lily was born. I remember I did this long run the week. So the, Lily was born on a Wednesday. I did a long run on the Sunday. And it was like, I think I ran like a 15, 25K. I don't know, it must be like, well, why the fuck are we running 15, 20 at the end of, <laughs> end of a long run? 
But like I'd run an hour 45 at, I don't know, 345, 350s through Mulligans and then a 1530 around Yerribee Pond. And I'm like, I, like, I wasn't doing anything like that before Lake Biwa. And then Lily was born, hurt my calf in Melbourne. And then for the next two years, like I was just down because I, I think having Lily and just the carrying of babies, that's, that's what was really affecting my back and hips. And so even though my calf healed, just being a dad with a newborn really affected my body, which at that point, yes, I loved being a dad, but there wasn't a lot that I could, you know, I couldn't take her out for, for swimming in the ocean. I couldn't go for a bike ride with her. So it wasn't until she actually grew up that I could interact with her a bit more that being a dad, like help, help my mental health. Um, where, yeah. Whereas when she, when she was a newborn and the running wasn't going well, that, that was a, that was a tough period as mm. well. Hey, Croaks, it's been a good chat. I've really enjoyed this. Are there any questions you wish I asked you about your mental health? No, I think we've sort of, <laughs> I think we've gone down a fair few rabbit holes. Um, Back to the chemicals in the brain, and they'd be like, if there's any um, psychologist listening here, please feel free to write in and give us some education <laughs> yeah. on this. Do those imbalances, you were saying like those imbalances happen genetically just with like your, our makeup? I, I and think then other so. people, it can be like triggered because of their life situations and stuff. Potentially, yeah. yeah. And, look, and, and I'm sure for even me, there was things that probably triggered it, um, but I probably couldn't tell you what those triggers were other than probably not having anything in my life other than running um, and, you know, Viv at the time. So like well, whatever I have a bit more in my life, it's probably less likely to trigger those experiences yeah um yeah or that feeling but it's funny now i think back when i was a track runner in sydney um one of my coaches gave me the nickname the roller coaster which oh, yeah. is very, yeah because it's like Other i would it, yeah i'd either be like um training and racing really well and then all of a sudden i'd be like oh, fuck this I'm, I'm done with this sport you know and then it's like okay a couple of weeks later i'm like i'm back like i'm i'm, I'm motivated again and and like at the time, I didn't really, you know, I thought, oh yeah, fair enough. That's yeah, not a not a bad nickname. But it's, there's probably something behind that mental health that mm. that they could obviously identify by giving me the the nickname the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, but then like you're pretty resilient at like sticking in there. Yeah, like I'm, now, yeah, 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 because I'm bloody stubborn and my personality is it's like I'm all or nothing. And then at some point I got to the point where I don't know anything else. Like yeah. it's too hard for me to go and start playing footy now or take up a new hobby. So I'm just going to keep plodding along. And like, to be honest, like I was actually pretty proud of me continuing through like 2019, 2020. Cause like I was, I was fitter than I, I was way fitter than I am now but I was moving so poorly and every run felt shit out. And I did it for, for a couple of years and was running big miles as well. So I was pretty proud to actually stick at it yeah. for that long. That's great, mate. I've had fun. I've spent six years asking you how your uh, physical health is. I know more about your splits and your K average per week and all those things than anyone else on this planet. Um, but thank you for talking about mental health with me and being vulnerable for the last 55 minutes. No worries, mate. Feel free to send me your invoice for services. Uh, no, no, I should be sending you. I am going to send you some Lululemon gear for being part of the show. So oh. hopefully, hopefully they send you some nice stuff. I can see, uh, see your wife in the background there who did a, a rip and review. 
Shoot, that'll be on the air next week. I just listened to the end of that before we started recording. Yeah, they're very thorough. So nice to they? the F- yeah, very thorough. <laughs> so nice to the Eskimos, I reckon. Viv Croker. We need to step up our game, I reckon. With I know. I'm like, I don't think we'll ever be able to review anything ever again <laughs> after we hear this one. Anyway, yeah. mate, good to finish on a laugh. Thanks for the chat, mate.